I'm Evelyn and I'm a geoholic. Cheap bourbon whiskey and pearl snapshots are two things that stay the same. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh my goodness. Welcome back, Geoholics. Uh, Epi 159, as they say in the biz. See how I shortened that? I didn't say yeah. episode. 159. Yes. Um, so, uh, Producer Sean. Yes, sir. Are you a Pearl Snap kind of guy? Uh, I do not know what that is. You know all those Western shirts. They got the Pearl Snaps. Oh, yeah, Very, yeah, very yeah, sharp. Sure. Yes. I, I cannot pull off a Pearl Snap shirt. I can't either. Yeah, I, I wish I could, but man, I that is just not not me. Yeah, it's it's weird. And then I'm like, I'm also not a, a bowler tie guy either. For that, for the record, I think it's bolo tie. Sure, that bolo. that, that either. Yeah. bolo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. can't about, do that either. Mark Taylor, are you a pearl snap kind of guy? No, just when I'm on stage. <laughs> yes, I can see that. <laughs> yes, yes, it's great for the costume, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you know what? This is crazy. I mean, I know we had John Nelson on last week, and he's got mm-hmm. a huge following, you know, on Instagram and. Uh, LinkedIn and everything, but holy crap, we are blowing up right now. We had like a one-day download record. One-day record. But day before yesterday, I don't even remember at this point. Monday, uh, I can't remember what it was. Uh, I think it was Tuesday. But it was Tuesday. a single-day download record, and it could be a number of things that has caused that. It could be John Nelson, you know, absolute rock star. It I'm could pretty be sure the it was fact, John Nelson. It could be the fact that we have teamed up with XYHT Magazine, and uh, they did a full-page spread in January. Oh, I think that's got a yeah. big part of it as well. And it could be big shoots. And also, shoots came back. I mean, it provides a lot of value. I'm glad to be back. Sorry I missed last week. I was uh, out sick with the, with the dirty sea. Yes. Uh, but I'm back to the land of the living, and uh, it, it feels good to be back. Was but that- uh, appreciate Shoots for uh, stepping in. Uh, did a re- really great job. And obviously, the single-day download record <laughs> has to have something to do with him. So so awesome stuff. I think it's a combination of all three of those things. Absolutely. Um, so the Dirty Sea, the second time or third time? Uh, second time. Second time. And pretty much the same. Pretty much the same? Yeah, pretty much the same. Hmm. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you uh, adapted and overcame. I am too. Yep. Good to have you back. We missed you. I missed you for a week because obviously people listening, we, Sean and I work together. We share an office actually. And he was gone all week. I know. I was having Sean withdrawals. It was a little, a little piece of Sean that's just not there. (laughs) It just wasn't the same. I was like sending texts. Oh, I miss you, buddy. I know. I know. It was sweet. And you never responded. So I was crushed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's just me. (laughs) And of course we got Mark Taylor. Hey. How are you, man? Fat and fabulous, mate. Always branding. That's one thing I love about you, man. Always right. branding. You're at the, I don't think I've ever seen you. I've seen you. Have I ever seen you without your shirt on? <laughs> we can't discuss that. So every time I see you, you've always got the extreme shirt on, the drone geek hat turned around backwards, always looking the part. Um, kudos to you for uh, for your branding. I know it's Thank a big you. big thing. You do a phenomenal job. Thanks. Other than that, how have you been? Um, just I don't know how to cope. I was telling Sean in the parking lot i used to, my time management style was throw more time at it and just get up earlier but Ooh. how early can one get up and how late can one go to bed it's a, a hell of a struggle but um we're very blessed and uh, thanks to a lot of the listeners for their yeah. support of our uh, drone operation and now our new lidar self-flying drone scans and it's just an incredible opportunity we have this year Yep. So don't they call that? I don't know what they call it in uh, the UK, but here they call it like burning the candle at both ends. Yeah, same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Do, you guys, do you guys do that over there? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're famous for it. Yeah. That's why the pubs are open late, mate. Mm. Mm, I'm jealous about that, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> so I have some big news. Yeah. What's that? I found out recently that I have a half-brother oh, yeah, that right. I did not know about. This that's is crazy. Cool. It is yeah. a crazy, crazy story. I'm not going to go oh. into it in great detail, but it started kind of coming to light about November-ish. I you know, got word that there was this, there was this gentleman out there that was, um, Mark just spilled his whiskey. I don't think, or is it leaking? It's leaking. Oh, oh it's, it's leaking. leaking. Oh, oh okay. well, you can't blame him for that one. Um, <laughs> port, yeah, don't let that go to waste. Oh, yeah, it's you guys can share that class. <laughs> it's fine. Where's my straw? Yeah. Oh, there's some, uh, uh, right there. Get those Clorox wipes right there. Yeah, continue with your story. I'll we'll continue my story. We'll, we'll you guys clean up. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's about November coming down the pipe that there is, you know, a gentleman out there saying that, um, you know, his father was my father. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. If, if, if it's true, that's great. Welcome him with open arms. This is awesome. Another family member. My family's small as it is, so this would be fantastic. Um, but I'm, I told him, I'm like, listen, I'm like, this, this, it's fantastic if it's true, but I'm one of these type of people that I have to have proof, right? Mm-hmm. So it took me a while to come to grips with it, and I did the DNA thing, and long story short, it connected us as half-siblings, blah, blah, blah. And the really cool thing is he's he's coming out here uh, this weekend, so after the show was released, it'll have already happened, but he's coming out here this weekend, and uh, yeah, we're going to spend a good long weekend together, getting to know each other, he's bringing his girlfriend, get the families together, and uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be great. Had a two-hour conversation with him. Seems like the nicest guy in the world, so it's pretty exciting. It's always good to add family you didn't know you had. Yep. Yes. Totally and especially great. it appears he's not a terrible person, so it's even better. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my big news. Congrats. Top that. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Okay. Got, got nothing? Got nothing. <laughs> no, I ain't got nothing. <laughs> All right. Sean, tell us about that uh, opening number. Oh, Jason Boland and the Stragglers. Uh, that was a song called Pearl Snaps. Uh, For the past 20 years, Jason Boland and the Stragglers have dazzled audiences all over one of the uh, leading ambassadors of Oklahoma and Texas music movement. With over 500,000 records sold independently, and 10 albums later, Boland is a career musician whose legacy continues to grow. From his early days touring in cramped vans and playing in front of tiny bar crowds to the packed venues he performs in today, Boland's uncompromising approach has led to an impact on the music scene that is undeniable. Hey, I, I got to tell you, I was not aware of uh, Jason Boland and the Stragglers until today. And uh, no, that's good stuff. Yeah, we checked that yeah, out a little today. That's good. Spent my ride in this morning, listened to a little Stragglers, and uh, I got to tell you, yeah, kind of yeah, like them. Yeah, that's good stuff. Kinda you like know what em. I wasn't aware of? Hmm. I just noticed that when Sean reads, yeah. he doesn't blink. Ooh. We should replay that video because it's perfect for TikTok. Did you notice that when Sean reads, my lips move? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do notice that. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to know where the puppet arm's going. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. You seriously don't blink. It's hilarious. Oh, that's great. Check it out. Because he's so focused. He's so I know. focused. I know. And dialed Such in. Such an intense individual, that guy. Hello again, Geoholics. As you've heard us talking about the last few episodes, we cannot tell you enough how excited we are to be partnering with XYHT Magazine, without question, North America's best geospatial publication. You've seen them at many conferences, and perhaps a while back, you may have even subscribed to them when they were known as Professional Surveyor Magazine, but their content goes well beyond surveying. Everything we talk about most every week on the Geoholics, you'll also see in XYHT. It's a publication for the geospatial professional, whether you're involved in 
surveying, mapping, construction, GIS, hydrography, location technology, basically all things AEC. You have to get your free subscription. Even though you'll see them exhibiting at Geo Week here in just a few weeks, you'll also see the Geoholics there. You can subscribe now for free at xyht.com forward slash subscribe. Join the 30,000 plus geo professionals and enjoy XYHT magazine each and every month. One more time, it takes less than two minutes. Go to xyht.com forward slash subscribe. All right, speaking of intense individuals, uh, we are, of course, in the Mentoring Mondays studio this mm-hmm. evening. Oh, yes. And uh, if you're not familiar with Mentoring Mondays, you're missing out on a huge opportunity to learn uh, from some of the influencers in the geospatial world. You can find them at mentoringmondays.xyz. And, of course, Trent Keenan is behind that. And I got to spend a little time with Trent Keenan this past weekend. He was in town uh, running his 48th uh, half marathon. Wow. 48th half marathon. Wow. So he was in town running the... Um, it was the Rock and Roll Marathon. Rock and right? Roll Marathon. Roll. Yep. Yeah. Really funny story. Hopefully he doesn't get mad at me for sharing this. But <laughs> <laughs> So we, we didn't get there for the start of the race because first it was early. And it was raining. Second, it was pouring rain. And I'm like, I'm not going out there and watch him in the pouring rain. And uh, so <laughs> we knew about what time he was going to finish. It was like 10, 15, 10, 20, whatever. So we get down there in plenty of time to see him cross the finish line. And he comes around this corner, you know, the home stretch, getting to the finish line. And I'm looking at him. And, then, you know, I give him a high five as he goes by. I'm like, what is going on? So here's the deal. He had, of course, all like Mark Taylor, you know, master of branding. He's got his Diamondback Land Surveying T-shirt with the cutoff sleeves on. And uh, because, I'm sure he had to do a lot of things, but the rain and everything, his shirt was rubbing on his nipples. So freaking bad <laughs> that he, they started bleeding. Yeah, so he comes around the corner. What is it called? Jog his nipple. He mm-hmm. barely had jogger's nipple. Yeah. Comes around the corner and he's got like two blood stains mm-hmm. on his shirt from that. Yeah. And, and afterwards, I'm talking. I'm like, dude, I gotta be honest with you. First of all, I would rather ride my bike 50 miles than jog or run five miles. But as soon as I saw my nipples were bleeding, done. Count me out. If you go to a running store, Kent, which clearly you never have, ever, they, they actually sell nipple bandages. Do they? So you don't, yeah, because mm. for whatever reason, your nipples go rock hard when you run. Yeah. Mm. yeah, just when you run? Well, I'm not, again, I'm banned from a lot of content tonight, so, um, but when I'm hanging out with my shorter than average homies, yeah. yes, it's often a topic of conversation. So interesting. Mm-hmm. I did not know that. I know that. Mm-hmm. But he's like, and he was like, I'm like, he goes, out of 48 half marathons that he's ever done, this is the first time he's ever ran the rain. Mm. Crazy. Oh, I love yeah. running in the rain. Crazy, crazy. But it's great. It was great to see Trent. Um Always great to talk to you, awesome energy, and uh, he's got some really cool things coming up this next year. So it's going to be interesting. Absolutely. Next up, Sean, are you ready for this? I am. Are you prepared? I am. This is a new segment. This new is segment. The, this is the Airworks Somewhat Random Trivia. Somewhat Random Trivia. Yes. Do you have something? Uh, I do. Uh, a little factoid about, and this came up uh, earlier, maybe, I think it was late last week, or maybe it, was, or it was a couple days ago. I was, doing, I was trying to put in some, uh, some coordinates, lat long, and, uh, and it kind of came up of what, how much is the distance of a degree, minute, and second uh, on a map? Like, 
or mm-hmm. on, you know, on physically the planet. So, and believe it or not, I have the answer. And uh, obviously it does change depending on where in the globe you are because the globe's, you know, a round ball. And, uh, are you sure? I thought all surveyors thought it was uh, flat. Uh, a topic <laughs> of a different conversation, a different podcast. Okay. Um, but uh, Sorry, they bro. do vary, and a degree, minute, or second of latitude remains fairly constant from the equator to the poles. It gets a little distorted when you get really, you know, above the the uh, the Arctic and Antarctic circle. Would that but be the Mason-Dixon line? No, that's a completely different okay. podcast. Just yeah, different sure. podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and a degree, minute, and second of longitude can vary gr- a lot more as you get closer to the poles. Sure. But in general, at 38 degrees north latitude, which is about where we're a little lower than that, but that's kind of runs around the, down the middle of the country, you know, Stockton, California, and Charlottesville, mm. Virginia. And one degree of latitude equals approximately 364,000 feet, which is about 69 miles. Wow. One minute equals 6,068 feet, about 1.15 miles, mm. and one second equals 101 feet. Mm. That's Our, interesting. Mm-hmm. It is. And yeah. uh, also, one degree of longitude equals about 288,000 feet, about 55 miles. Mm. One minute equals 4,800 feet, about 0.9 miles. Link. And one second equals... 80 feet. 80 feet. 80 feet. 69 and 80 feet. I like it. That, that's awesome. Yeah, that, that's Jeopardy stuff right it there. It is. Phrase no that in a question. Uh, what is <laughs> a very hard thing to describe about yeah. a globe? Yeah. 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 Oh, man. And I believe the 38th North Latitude is kind of close to the Mason-Dixon line. It did run in between the border of North Carolina and, and Virginia. Mm. Out until it hits about something in the Midwest, yeah. and then it kind of dissipates from there. Yeah, I know there's a latitude, and I I don't know what it is off the top of my head, unfortunately, but there's a latitude where like wine grows really, really good, and I know there's a uh, or certain types of wine, certain type of grape. Wine doesn't grow; grapes grow. Grapes do grow. Yeah, <laughs> they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they're not printed. No, they're not printed. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a latitude. And I can't remember. I wish I can remember what it was. But um, and I know there's like a, a, a winery or vineyard called that, that, latitude. that latitude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Yep, super cool. Because okay. aren't we? Isn't uh, where all the gra- gra- oh, Mark, where all the lettuce is grown is on the 32nd parallel, right? Really? With all the sun down in Yuma. Does that mm. make sense? Mm, Am I? 33rd, 33rd, maybe. Okay. It's a, mm. 32nd's a little low because I think uh, we're you know in Arizona we're about Phoenix about 33 and. According to this, one degree is 55 miles. So that would make 69 sense. miles south. So yeah. Yeah, that might yeah. be about close. Yeah, 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 I think you might be right. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. I think there's a Jimmy Buffett song that summarizes all this up. That's correct. Yeah. All Isn't right. there any? Everything that he sings summarizes <laughs> most things in life? Of course. Yep. Yes. Okay. Next up, the Advanced Geodetic Surveys, also known as AGS, Weekly Words of Wisdom. Um, so I'm not sure, I was trying to figure out why this quote caught my eye and then it hit me. So Sean challenged me last week um, through this meditation app that we both have. Mm-hmm. It was like the Dalai Lama meditation challenge or whatever. And um, I start out, boom, out of the gate. Okay. And then I didn't do shit because I was too busy <laughs> missing Sean. And uh, It is stressful. I and know. I started back up and, and the first one I did was how to calm the monkey brain. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, when you can't focus. Yes, when you can't focus. The other day, I'm sitting at the office, and I swear to you, I could not 
focus on something for more than 60 seconds without my brain jumping to something else. Well, I'm sorry. What? How is that different from any other day? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's pretty, it's yeah. pretty standard. Well, usually yeah. it's like two minutes. Yeah, this is like two 60 minutes. seconds. It was horrible. So I got off track there just a little bit. But here's the quote, okay? An American monkey, after getting drunk on brandy, would never touch it again. And thus is much wiser than most men. Interesting. Hmm. Yep. Charles Darwin. <laughs> Interesting. Charles Darwin. Must yep. be talking about the frat days. Oh, I don't even mm. remember them. Mm. Um, I can also <laughs> say that I tried brandy once and won't ever oh, also touch yeah. it again. It's horrible. So maybe we should give the give the monkey a good, you know, twelve year <sighs> bourbon and uh, see mm. how he likes that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So if Kent was a monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Would he be a spider monkey, Wait, a pygmy marmoset, a chimp? No, he's not a chimp. He's so not get this. Uh, you're going to love this on okay. that note. Your spirit animal is a monkey? A Neanderthal. I got Cro-Magnon my, man? I don't think no, so. No, when, when I got my DNA stuff back, oh, really? I have it's like, like you were part seven, Neanderthal? It's like 73% Neanderthal. But you not don't surprise That explains so much. It really, that really does. So much. Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So funny. All right, let's get out of this stuff. Jeez, oh, my goodness. Do you throw poop? Who? Do you throw poop? Um. Uh, again, topic so. for a different podcast. Okay, copy. <laughs> I, hey, I do like alternative sports, but I don't know if I like that one. <laughs> that one is coming to the Ocho yeah. <laughs> next summer. Before we get to our guests this evening, here is this week's Bad Elf Minute. Hello, Geoholics, and welcome to Bad Elf's Point of Beginning a segment specially crafted for the consumption of geospatial news, history, and technology. We hope you enjoy the content and perhaps even learn something. My name is Dr. Nick Smolovsky, I'm a geoholic, and I'm here to be your geospatial guide. Many of you geoholics out there use GPS and other more robust GNSS receivers to survey and map our diverse environments. It is possible while you are out collecting data that you noticed a reduction in the spatial accuracy of your measured locations when standing under a tree, next to a building, or maybe when you are in a steep canyon. The reason the accuracy of your device diminished is most likely due to multipath error. What then is this multipath GPS error and why is it important for you to understand as a geospatial professional? GPS multipath error occurs when a GPS signal bounces off a nearby object, such as a building or even a bridge, before it reaches the receiver. This can cause the receiver to calculate a false position, which can lead to errors in navigation and or location-based services. The error can be particularly pronounced in urban areas where there are many tall buildings and other structures that reflect GPS radio signals. It can be caused by natural obstacles, as mentioned earlier, and or man-made obstacles. Remember, metal, concrete, and rock are a GPS unit's worst nightmare. So what can you do? The effects of multipath can be mitigated by using specialized antennas, such as a patch antenna, signal processing techniques, and or most importantly, user best practices. Using a local RTK solution and or a networked RTK via NTRIP can provide help. Additionally, taking timed or average points at desired locations has a positive influence on the accuracy of your point. You should also know your equipment's strengths and limitations before heading to the job site. Not all geospatial equipment is created equally, and some equipment simply might not be able to perform your desired task. If the multipath error is too great, consider using a total station and or 
use some other means of collecting remotely sensed data to collect your shots. This way, the multipath error is not influencing your collection. There is always a right tool for the trade. If you have any questions or comments about today's POB segment, please reach out to me via LinkedIn or through the Geoholics channels. And that does it for us at B2 Studios in sunny Texas. Live long and prosper, my friends. Oh man, let's get our guests in here. They're uh, they're chomping at the bit, I'm sure, or they're scared out of their minds. <laughs> right. so let's let's see if they're still on. <laughs> All right, first off, we got uh, Bill Swope with us. Uh, Bill, you've been on a time or two before, but you know what? I'm going to let you do a real quick, uh, brief self introduction. Just name uh, who you work for, what you do, and maybe uh, I don't know. What's your favorite animal? Oh, okay. Well. Um, let's see. My name is Bill Swope. Uh, I work for Half Associates in, out of the Richardson, Texas office. I'm a certified photogrammetrist. Uh, I've known Kent for, gosh, I don't know, over 10 years, I would think, at this point, easily. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know what? It's probably, to be honest with you, it's probably more like 15 years. 20. Isn't that crazy? 15, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Time flies when you're getting old. Um, favorite animal eh, i'm probably partial to dogs although i have a cat and not a dog right now mm. so cats um, are cool man cats are cool cats are way cool yeah he's he's outside right now uh chasing rabbits so maybe he'll come in a little while yep yep it's, oh, all, it's all fun and games until the coyotes get him right well yeah, yeah. and around here that's it's uh, or bobcats i've had bobcats in my front yard here too so Yep. So uh, an interesting aside, um, when I met my wife, I had a Dosnoy Sphinx cat, which is the hairless cat, but it's gray, mm, yeah. not like Mr. Bigglesworth. And the best <laughs> thing about those uh, cats is they're like dogs. They'll come and want you to throw balls and, and play with them. And I could actually walk Shammy off leash to the mailbox and walk back and she wouldn't get distracted. Wow. And she'd come and bring you a grape find a grape, you know, she'd jump up on the counter, pull a grape off, and then bring it over to you, and then I'd bite it in half, and then she'd eat the other half. It was, like, super cool. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, it was the ultimate date trick when you brought a woman home. They were like, that's incredible. You trained your cat to do that? No. Yeah. But wait, this was your wife's cat. No, when, when my you first were bringing... met my wife. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay, gotcha. Yeah, when I was still dating. <laughs> yeah, so point of clarification. But there's a funny story involving a wiener and my kitty cat. Of course there is. So, uh, of course yeah, there is, yes. But <laughs> for another podcast. What I got out of that is his cat was a chick magnet. Oh, yes. yes. Uh, all right, All let's right, bring uh, wife. yeah, we got Cody Condren with us as well. Cody, welcome to the Geoholics. Uh, first time for Cody. I know he was a little nervous before the show, and I'm sure that what has transpired over the last 15 minutes is not <laughs> making it any better. All, the, all those nerves. <laughs> yeah, Cody, thanks, Cody for, Condren. Thanks for being oh, here, man. Go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Thanks for being yeah, here. Th thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, I'm still a little nervous, but I'm going to make it through it. Um, uh, we're for KCI Technologies. I'm the regional practice leader for them, um, mainly in, in Texas, but all through the the uh, Southwest region. Um, uh, licensed land surveyor, certified photogrammetrist, and certified mapping scientist, UAS. Nice. Uh, favorite animal would probably be a fish because they mm. are no maintenance and I have allergies. So I don't, I don't like it. to take care of <laughs> myself. That's about all I can take care of. There you go. Love it. Love it. And and one thing you failed to mention there, you are also a huge Jason Bolin in the Stragglers fan. I, I am. My, uh, my girlfriend likes to dance and that's, that's what she pulls me out and 
gets me on the dance floor for Nice. Uh, so, Cody and Bill, question for you guys. Are either one of you Pearl Snap guys? Hmm. I kind of hesitate to answer that question, actually, but I do have one shirt that has pearl snaps on it. Uh, okay, I think that's more I, than this I group. I think I've seen you play, Bill, with wearing one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. You know, Bill, we'll take a break. Can you go get it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll wait. We'll wait. <laughs> yeah. I, I can get it at any time you want. <laughs> Go for it. All right. So I, I do have a icebreaker question for for everybody. And uh, Bill, I'm gonna let you go first on this one. Right. Okay, this one's good. Would you rather be in jail for five years or be in a coma for a decade? Coma for a decade. Mm-hmm. Mm. Kind of easy. Interesting. How yeah. about you, Cody? Same. I, I could not, I couldn't think of being in jail. I'm claustrophobic. That's just too much. Oh, okay. So it's unanimous so far. Mr. Taylor? Well, clearly I'm so beautiful I'd be tossed around like a bunny rabbit <laughs> in the prison, so I'm going for a coma, mate. It would take a big dude to toss you around like a bunny rabbit. You but those s- guys do, s- do exist in prison. Yes. 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 Mm. yes. I, that would be absolutely frightening. And if I was in a coma in a prison... They could do whatever they wanted because they wouldn't know. So I'd be okay with that. <laughs> that would be option C. Option C. Yeah. Yes. Mm. <laughs> is this, this going to be unanimous, Sean? Oh, yeah. Who yeah. in their right mind would take five years in jail versus yeah. being in a coma where you, I mean, you don't remember any of it. You just wake up and I'm assuming someone's, you know, clean, yeah, cleaned you throughout think, that time. So think about what could change. <laughs> yeah. Think about what could change in 10 years. A lot. But you're really only talking yeah. about what could change in five years. Yeah, but and you okay. can, but you can also if you're in jail for five years, you can have conjugal visits, and you can stay I, abreast of I, everything that's changing. No, 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 I don't think that's a standard no standard no, thing exactly. for yeah. everyone. No, no it's no. not. No, that's only in certain types of low security. Oh, prisons. let's put it this way: in okay. five years in prison, you yeah. are going to be a changed man. In ten years in a coma, you need a lot of physiotherapy, but you're still the same <laughs> human being. Good God. And I guess I it might, might depend on, can you still walk and talk and function like a normal human after that? Yeah, it's, it's, a, yeah. It. it's a crappy question, right, guys? It, it clearly is yes. a terrible question. It's a fantastic question. question. Uh, Kent, are you, are you saying that you are in the, uh, in the five years of prison camp? <laughs> of course he You is. know, I think that I, uh, I'd probably opt for prison. It's only five really? years. It's only five years. You would rather remember five years or not remember. You just wake up and it happened to be 10 years later. I just had to say that because I knew it was going to drive you insane. It just <laughs> really does. I know. I know. I know. All right. Let's 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 do something productive here. What do you guys think? That sounds like a plan. Oh, man. So, Bill, you've been, how long have you been at half? I'm coming up on four years at Jeez, half now. I started crazy. in June of 2019. So, um, uh, a few years now. Tell us everything we need to know about half and associates. Uh, let's see. So half is a, uh, um, a Texas owned company, um, employee owned company as well. We're in five States now. So Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Florida, we jump a couple States there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're a full architectural civil engineering surveying. You, 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 uh, name it. The only thing we really don't do is geotechnical. Um, and so a rather big firm, we're about, I think about 1300 people now, uh, across oh, wow. five states. Wow. Um, and 
uh, really jumped into, I thought this was a banking show at first, but I'll, I'll, I'll modify <laughs> things. Really jumped into the geospatial realm here a few years ago. Um, so I, I, I feel really lucky to be there. It's awesome. Tough. Awesome. Cody, tell us about KCI. Yeah, so we're a full-service engineering firm, uh, originally based out or still based out of Baltimore, Maryland, but uh, we spread out. We're 50 offices, 23 states, um, founded in 1955. We're now, the, I believe, the largest 100% employee-owned oh, wow. ESOP. Nice. Uh, our engineering firm, engineering right. firm, mm-hmm. not all firms. Very good. And based on your accent, you're clearly not in uh, Baltimore. No, sir. I'm in Texas. <laughs> awesome. How long have you been at KCI? Uh, since 2019. Uh, actually, July. So a month after Bill went over to Half, I, I yeah. started over at KCI. And funny okay. story, I actually started my career at Half. Uh, oh, gosh, that's great. Yep. Small world. <laughs> yeah, I, sure. run, I run into those people a lot, it seems like. So Half's been around since the 50s. So, yeah, there's a, okay. lot, of, uh, Good grief. a lot of folks out there. Yep. And how do you guys know each other, Cody and Bill? Uh, well, I, it was. Go ahead, Cody. I was just going to say through ASPRS, uh, our association. Sure. Um, Bill had he was a more active member. He reached out to me, you know, said, uh, "Let's get going, uh, get it more active in Texas, and, yeah. and see what we can get started." And I guess we'll go into a little bit more detail on that a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. Well, we can jump into it. To be honest with you. Um, okay. Yeah, Bill. So you've been involved. With, first of all, tell us tell us what ASPRS stands for. Let's start there. Sure. Yeah. It, well, it's it's a mouthful. So it's the American Society for Photogrammetry and Remote Sensing. Um, and it's been in existence here since the 30s um, in the U.S. Um, started out obviously with with photogrammetry, as that was the the, the first uh, um, thing that it was uh, you know aligned with mm-hmm. uh, when we started, and then they added other categories. Um, we uh, ASPRS offers certifications. Uh, so I'm a certified photogrammetrist. Cody's a certified photogrammetrist and a certified mapping scientist. Um, so they offer certi- certifications in five different mm. geospatial categories right now. Um, and and so uh, it, it, I've been involved since, I'm trying to think right, right back about 2007, Kent. Um, wow. I, I got reinvigorated with ASPRS um, uh, about 2019. Um, when I moved over to half, uh, as you know, I've been really involved with surveying associations, yep. uh, my whole career and, uh, um, half was like, we've got a lot of surveyors. So why don't we uh, have you go into a different space? Mm. Um, and, and so, you know, I was already a member of ASPRS and I said, let me start looking into that. Um, and I was also interested because they're, they, they weren't really active in the state of Texas, uh, back then at all. Um, Texas was part of what was called the mid South region. Um, which still exists in ASPRS. Um, but after I started getting involved in ASPRS, I, I got interested in starting something in Texas um, and was looking into a chapter. And then after I started, started talking to the folks at ASPRS, um, they kind of walked me back into, hey, we were more of a region uh, a focused society. Um, and uh, they had a big region, which was the Mid-South, which Texas was a part of. Um, and we started talking about um, realigning that region to make it a little bit more manageable um, at the time, it was, I believe it was nine states uh, that went all the way from Texas uh, across to, to Georgia and up to as far as Kentucky, if I'm remembering <laughs> things right here. Um, and so after, 
it, it was a little bit of time uh, once I started to look into it and, and got involved um, with the Region Officers Council. Um, but I found Cody right away. Um, and a great thing about him was it, it was exactly as he said, when I, when I first got in touch with Cody to see if he was interested in this, he didn't hesitate. He said, yeah, I'm all, I'm all in. Let's, let's see what we can get done. And so we started working on the realignment after about a year and a half. Hmm. Um, we had things pretty much done as far as what they needed to have as uh, national needed a lot of paperwork and stuff uh, to do to, to, to make that work for their charter. Um, and so in, in March of 2021, we, we kind of launched things out and, uh, um, I was the first president of the region. Cody was the first VP and, uh, we have a succession, uh, uh, from moving from VP to immediate past president. So we brought in somebody for our first immediate past president, Cliff Munier from Louisiana, who was at Louisiana state university. And, uh, was just about to retire and we thought it would be a, a nice gesture to have him be the first immediate past president of a brand new region mm. after he had done so much for ASPRS over the years. Wow. Um, I got two things I want to circle back on. First of all, I'm familiar with the certified photogrammetrist certification, but I am not familiar with the certified mapping, mapping scientist, scientist yeah. certification. Talk about that, Cody. Mm. Yeah, so um, there are different portions of it. It's certified mapping scientists for remote sensing, for LIDAR, for GIS, LIS, and then for UAS is the newest one. Mm -hmm. um, the UAS one is the one I have. Uh, I was actually lucky to get number one. Uh, oh, wow. I was the first one to get certified for it. Congrats. Wow, that's uh, cool. And it's... It, there's two different levels of certification is the level that we have. And then there's a technologist below it certified is the professionals, the one signing, going through it, sealing, sealing the different types of drawings. And then your technologists are more of your, your working group. Um, the, the guys that are in the technology and, and getting the things done for you. Can I so ask the, a question? Go for it, man. So I've, I've looked and guys, if you don't know, I run a drone company and, I pretend to survey stuff. Um, how Kent and I actually met was uh, a little bit of a discussion about me using the word survey, and I reminded him that when I got up in the morning, I would drink my cup of coffee and survey all of my estate in front of me, um, and then reminded him that I wasn't surveying, the drone was. So, um, But I love Kent. Hey, um, no rules for tools. Exactly, exactly. So my question to you is, I've actually looked in depth into the ASPRS um, certification correct me if i'm wrong isn't getting like the uas part down and not necessarily on the photogrammetry side but doesn't it take 18 months two years um correct me if i'm wrong oh it's, it's no longer, so yeah longer than that for the for the cms and, mm -hmm. the, and the difference between the the cp and the cms are considered the same thing on the same level as each other cp was just the first thing that specifies photogrammetry more and was the first um, category that the asprs had uh, and so they came up with certified mapping scientists because they wanted to have other categories, and obviously those weren't photogrammetric. Right. Um, but so the the main difference between the technologist and the and the CMS or CP level is the, your time in, in industry. Mm -hmm. uh, so roughly three years for the for the technologist level, and um, um, six years for the for the certified level or professional level. Mm -hmm. um, so ostensibly, if you get your technologist after you go up for your first renewal after three years um you could go ahead and just sit for your cms or cp if you had the relevant type of work experience behind you and 
and that's what you wanted to do. You know, you can you can elect to stay as a technologist if you want to as well. Yeah, we've we've been doing it since 2014, but I made a move this year to. I've got uh, two geospatial scientists with three PhDs between them, and that's alleviated a lot of stress because I don't want to be the the guy signing and stamping, and I just want to fly drones and look pretty. But um, it, it's very important. You got we, half of that, yeah, and you're really you good at the first one. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> it's like a that's why. That's exactly why I think prison would be a much better option for you. No. <laughs> no. No. I, unless a buddy of mine could drone in some stuff for me, but. Um, yeah, no, it's fascinating because I, I think there needs to be a lot of legitimacy. I mean, photogrammetry has been around for a while, but I mean, Cody, to your point, you brought in LIDAR and different yep. payloads and all the rest of it. There there needs to be a comfort level in the U.S. space because we're pitched by so many software companies that make promises, right? And yeah. if someone tells me it's survey grade, I just mm. hang up on them because it, it, it's not right. There's a process and, and a an SOP that has to be defensible in everything that we do. Um, and I, I think the market is flooded. So I'm, I'm a big fan of your organization and I, I will, you've re-engaged me to be more motivated to actually go through the process. My, my challenge is, is, you know, fat and fabulous as I am, I, I don't have enough bandwidth left in my brain. So lately <laughs> I've been referring the movie Johnny Mnemonic <laughs> with Keanu Reeves, yes, where yes. he'd plug into the uh, upload yeah. stuff and delete stuff. So I could delete a lot of bad memories and fit more photogrammetry shit in my head. I'd mm. be all for it. Um, but, yeah. but thank you for being the champions that you are of the, the industry and legitimizing it because there's a lot of drone operators out there that absolutely need to be involved. I think your first step should be purge the porn. If you purge the porn, you'll have plenty of bandwidth. Are you talking about in his brain? Yes. Oh, oh. Johnny yeah. Mnemonic. He's talking about. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I, Kent, that's you. Stop <laughs> transmogrifying onto me. You, and, dude, another and, word. And another word. Made up. You just I made up words again. Go look Not it up. Not a word. Yes. Not a word. Every, every podcast, I've deliberately found a word that it will uh, uh, Twitterpate. That's another word. Bullshit. That will Twitterpate Kent. And have you not watched any of the crime shows? It's impossible to purge the porn. They yeah. always find it. It's always yes. in there somewhere. Yes. No matter I what. So, I am so glad I have never looked at porn in my life. Good for you. Good for you, Ken. Yes. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Is this the point where I'm allowed one comment about his penis, aren't I? Yes, you're yes. allowed one okay. comment yeah. about his yes. penis. Okay. That's yes. <laughs> Kent, if uh, you have... You should you, save it. You should save it. You should save it. Man, it was a good one, too. So, Cody, uh, Mark mentioned something there that is a... Uh, I don't want to call it a point of contention, but a point that I believe needs to be clarified. Survey grade. What does that mean? Are you, yes. are you asking yes. Mark or, or are you Cody. asking? I'm asking, asking Cody. Cody. Like, how yes. do you define survey grade? I see, hear people throw that out there all the time. Mm -hmm. Survey grade accuracy. What the hell does that mean? It, really nothing. I mean, it. Yep. Boom. They're, yes. they're, they're saying, oh, it's coming in at this accuracy and it meets, you know, like here in Texas, our state board minimal standards on most things is one tenth right. or horizontal, uh, closer to two tenths on vertical. Yeah, you're you're using a drone that will spit out. Here's your accuracy, but you're not even going through the true photogrammetry steps to check that. Mm. And as you know, in surveying, it's all about checking and checking and checking mm -hmm. and making sure and being able to prove what you're doing. Yeah. Um, 
I, when I came through college, our big new thing was GPS. Uh, you know, it was doing the transport or transition from the older GPS, to the ones where everybody could have it. It was cheaper and using it. And it was, people were using like a black box. They'd go out and just whatever it gave them, it's good. It's right. You yep. know, no checks. And I compare it to that without doing those extra things outside of the program that they give you to run it. You're just taking a gamble of whether it's correct or not and getting those right precisions. So for, so for me, when I talk survey grade, one, I uh, employ uh, the guys here at Alta. They go out and uh, lay out. I give them a target layout. They go burn in the points. I make them do a three three minute burn on each of the targets. We get the correct coordinate system. I get the uh, GC3 or JXL file. We get some additional check shots. We run it through a manual photogrammetry. We do our tie in, our bundle adjustments, and then after it's all said and done, we have them run back out and ground truth it. How do you feel about that? So when you're running your check shots and are you running those same check shots through the program? Yes then you're not doing it correctly. They should be completely independent. Oh, I see what you you're saying. Through, got, got it. Yes. No, I, I see. We After we process everything, then we bring them back in and align it and then get, get send the data and have them go tie back into our... So it's got to be independent. Yes. Yeah, that, be yeah independent. exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The, the final product right, has yeah. them included. Forgive me for, for not clarifying that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you're going through the procedures where it's two, it's basically a secondary check that's independent... Yeah. Mm-hmm. and you're proving it. That's how, if you look at our ASPRS certification or standards that we yes. sign off to, that's what it's all based on. Yes. It went through, you know, back 20 years ago, photogrammetry was based on film, and they had your scale factor. Well, that's gone. It's right. digital. And that mm. now with the digital we go, and that's where you get in that your accuracy. And If you come through it and truly run through those precisions, then you can go to your next thing of creating your contours or your DTM that, you know, by those accuracies and, and following the same procedures, if mm-hmm. you're doing a normal topographic survey or, or Alta survey. Or Correct. Anything. Yeah. No, that's a very good. Point. Yeah. I think, I think the two words that you said there, Mark, that are the most important mm-hmm. are ground truthing. Yeah. Um, I, agree. I, I mean, you know, I, as a photogrammetrist, I rely on surveyors, for what I consider, you know, due, due to standards, 95% of the work. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're actually doing the, the work, but you know what I mean? That it's being able to hit those uh, accuracies that, that you're stating that you can do and being able to go out and, and, and map things. Um, there's some aesthetics that are involved with, with mapping, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the definition of photogrammetry involves that. It's, it's a, you know, a science and an art form, the science and art technology. Um, and but I think what a lot of folks are doing, and 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 what Kent was kind of referring to when we we're talking when we start to talk about UAS, and it's the first thing when you're a photogrammetrist surveyor, is is are they doing the the correct things that they should be doing? Are they doing ground control the way that they should be doing it right? Are they doing you know blind spots? Do they have those out there. Are they checking those? Are they running checks? Right. That's that's one thing. A lot of folks don't even run checks. Mm-hmm. Um, they rely on the software that the folks that we refer to as the, the button pushers or the, you know, folks that are relying on the so- relying on the software. And, and the issue that I see is, is when there is a problem, because that's when these folks don't know how to resolve the problem. Yep. That's how we get a lot of work at half is resolving those problems. 
but the the fundamental issue I see for the industry with that is is that when that happens, the client is soured on using UAS yep. for yes. surveying and mapping. Yes. And in my experience, generally the cost that was paid for that um, was was very an, under, an undercutting cost. Correct. Um, um, and it's usually because those smaller companies don't have, you know, like companies like Cody and, and my companies, um, the the extended resources that we have and the technologies that we've invested into, which, you know, bump our price up a little bit, but it, it uh, adds capabilities and capacity to what we do and efficiency to what we do. Yeah, I mean, um, you, you take some of the photogrammetry software out there, like Drone Deploy, for example, they're, they're really governed by the VC guys who have a profit model that they need to make and they're quoting the deliverables and it's survey grade and you can design and build from it. And But it, at the end of the day, when there's an error and they can't prove to or won't prove to the AI and how it actually came up with that formulary that, oh my God, we were three thousandths on the job site. No, you weren't. There's no way. <laughs> there's no, there's way. no way. Right? And then they won't share with you. You're, you're absolutely screwed. We, we have to be able to prove, okay, how did we translate into this local coordinate system and why is there, there a two foot blip right yeah um so it, as i say i always go back to this phrase of defensible and to, to meet two guys with your pedigree is wonderful for me so hashtag man crush <laughs> <laughs> hashtag jealous well yeah totally here's the jealous. Other thing that that i wanted to drive home to tonight ken about this all part of the reason that we started the gulf south region in texas was to address issues like this and from my perspective, it's not to push those companies out of the space. Yep. Right. It's to educate, educate those companies and bring them up to the level uh, where I think they should be mm -hmm. um, and go from there. Yeah. Uh, I, I, we're not a regulatory agency. That's not our job. However, I, I don't have a problem, and Cody knows this, with when I get marketed by somebody that when I check them out, they don't have any kind of surveying or mapping background in the company and they're, they're you know, profession to be UAS professionals. I'll write them and say why I don't, why I don't disagree with that and what they're doing wrong and what they need to do right. I understand it takes a little bit of time and experience, but that's what we want is somebody who's got some time in and some experience with what they're doing to make sure that the projects and the public's welfare, the public safety are being yep. taken care of. And that's why so. Kent and I, I mean, that's how Kent and I found each other. Yeah. It was contentious in the beginning yep. and he was kind enough to educate me and get around the marketing crap and show me the secret source as it were and that's yeah. why i'm so proud of the quality of the work that we do and why for a little firm of ours um we invested in the these two sp scientists it's it's an expensive proposition but it means that our data is as infallible as it can be one thing i'm glad you clarified there well that we met as a result of a you know mapping disagreement mm -hmm. per se absolutely because up until that point I guarantee you most of our listeners thought it was through Grinder. They probably did, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because I'm the pygmy mama set on Grinder. So swipe left. <laughs> yes. My monkey brain. <laughs> so Cody, <laughs> Cody's in a unique situation because I mean Bill Swope, you know, certified photogrammetrist. Cody, look at him on look at look at him on LinkedIn. The guy's got more letters acronyms after, yeah. after his yeah. name than anybody I know. He's a like registered suit. professional land surveyor. He's a professional land surveyor. He's a certified photogrammetrist. He's a certified mapping scientist. I'd have to believe, Cody, that that makes you pretty much an expert, correct? 
Ooh, you can't really use that term, can Ooh, you? Yeah. That's an opinion. An opinion, <laughs> yes. Ah. yes. You're, a ma- you're the man, the myth, and legend in your uh, own What you mind. should say is, others right. may regard him as an expert. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, in a, in, but in, you know, in all honesty, I mean, it, it is, I think it gives tremendous credibility. You know, when, like, I don't know too many surveyors that are also certified photogrammetrists and definitely none that are certified mapping scientists. Um so I, I think it does put you in a, in a unique situation to be able to have certain conversations that can be very influential. Yeah, and, and that's really how I got more and got my certification for photogrammetry. I was first 10 years of uh, my career doing only land surveying, um, came from second generation land surveyor. My dad owned a small surveying firm. And then when the firm I was with said, we want to go into this new area of getting drones and all of that, I had the exposure through college, had been doing some photogrammetry, of course, doing all the uh, control for those. But I told him, I want to do it right. I'm going to go through. If, I'm, if we're going to go that route, I want to go all the way. And once I got into it, that's it, it's great that you brought that up because I saw a huge gap between the understanding of photogrammetry and land survey. Mm. And I didn't understand why there's the gap between the two industries talking to each other when they're so dependent on each other. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, used to surveyors say, oh, no, we're not dependent on photogrammetry. Well, you are now. I mean, especially with drones and everything being pushed and more and more using it. Yep. It's, it's intertwined on almost every project. So I got one for you. I delivered a project yesterday for with 24,000 points on line work for a chip seal and line restoration road project. We had hmm. two points that were four inches off in the same area within 500 feet of each other. Is that a bad result? Two points out of 24,000? Because the client is losing their mind. Where would, are the points? I would think huh? that. I mean, here's the, uh, yeah. where, where are the points? Where is the issue at? That's that's yeah. I mean, that would be so the what it turned that out to be to was be too, yeah, too it's not. That, it was point zero zero one percent, and then we explained here is our points. Here are your points. We're exporting them now. They're in your TBC program, and you have an anomaly. Is it possible that someone, when they were clicking and checking, accidentally snapped the line, mm-hmm. and that's where they're like, nope, it's not possible. We're perfect. I'm like, okay, well, then just delete the points. Do the lines now line up? Yeah. Okay, can we get past the two points? I think that yeah. I think the people are, like clients, are expecting perfection. It can't yeah. be done. And I, it doesn't exist. No. It doesn't, doesn't exist. You're, 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 and that's that's the other aspect of this whole thing with mm-hmm. all the new technologies. You know, mm-hmm. all what we're, and we're kind of part of the, part of the problem here. We're yep. telling everybody, you get greater efficiencies. We can do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. We can give you complete mm-hmm. data sets. Yep. We can. There's a cost to it, um, and that's the thing. Um, but it, it's it's part of what you know what comes with the territory. But it gives us a lot more. It gives surveyors, is what I should say. I, I, I say us, but I'm referring to actually the survey crowd. It gives them a lot more options and flexibility um, with which to do a project. Yeah. Um, you know, at, at half we're you know we do UAS, we do manned photogrammetry and lidar data collection and processing. We have mobile LiDAR system, a Trimble MX-9 that we use all the time. Uh, and we're doing terrestrial, you know, LiDAR, which surveyors have been doing for a long time. Uh, but we're, you know, we're extending that now into building information modeling, scan to BIM. Mm-hmm. Um, ArcGIS has new indoor mapping. 
mm. program that's out that we're looking into. How do we how do we take advantage of that? So I don't really even look at myself as a photogrammetrist anymore. No. Um, I look at myself more as a remote sensing professional yes. because I, I mean that's what I'm having to deal with. I work within our survey practice. That's where our geospatial group is at. Um, and, and so we're working constantly with our surveyors, our own engineers, and also with outside clients. But I, I may get a call about a uh, mobile LIDAR job uh, as much as I might get a call about, can you get somebody out to, to do aerial acquisition for us? Um, and sometimes it's a matter of figuring out which tool is the best because what are mm, they? They're the tools bingo. and the surveyors mm -hmm. toolbox is all they yeah. are. And so it doesn't mean that, that you have to use them. It yep. means you pick the one that's most appropriate and it could be a conventional two-man crew going out to yeah. collect data. Yes. So, yeah. It's all about the deliverables and a lot of times the client don't understand the true deliverables they need. Exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I'm sure Cody can speak to this with all the, you know, letters after his name for Alphabet sure. Soup. I'm sure he can has an answer for this. But how much time, Cody, do you spend educating your clients? Oh, God. A, a ton. Uh, so when I approach a project, I usually start with the deliverable. What, what are you looking? What do you really want? Yep. And then I work backwards and, right. and go through, like Bill was saying, what tools do we really want to use? This is how we want to use it. This is how we want to do it. Um, because you have to. It, they know what they want, but they don't really know besides, oh, I, I hear LIDAR is great. You need to use LIDAR on this. No, no. not necessarily. No. I get frustrated if I if I, if we if I can share a little bit on my soapboxes. Clients get frustrated when I'm going through the investigative process of what they really want, and it has come down where some engineers are like, just give me my shit. I'm like, well, I'm trying to understand what type of shit. Do you want runny shit, solid shit? What, what, what exactly <laughs> is it you want? You know, and I, in fact- Solid you, shit. Solid shit. And in fact, yesterday I'm like, what you're asking me is, I'm gonna ask you the reverse question. I need a million square foot. I'm like, pardon? Well, I need a million square foot. Well, what do you mean? Well, I'm thinking a million square foot warehouse. Well, no, maybe it should be a million square foot multifamily because that's what you're asking me. But you're getting frustrated with me asking the right questions to give you the right deliverables so you mm. realize we represent Because they don't know. Because they, they don't know. Well, I just call the aerial guy and he'll just do what I ask him to do. I go, oh, yeah. No, they don't. You've still got to have the question. And I'm sorry I'm asking you what a geoid is. I'm sorry. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> what coordinate system, yeah. you know? Yeah, and it, and it comes down to the right tool in many yeah. cases is all you're trying to find out. Yeah. Um, I just had, you know, I was looking at a project in a, a little town in Northeast Texas, and I was going against a small drone company who had gone in and said that they could do in the in the small little downtown area with a drone uh, what needed to be done. They, they weren't going to do that. Mobile LiDAR was was the best tool for what we needed to do for that job. Mm -hmm. And and we've submitted on it. Hopefully the, the, the client will see that as well. But I made sure to get with the engineer and go out and do a little bit of like what you were just saying. You have to go out and educate the client on what your capabilities are and and the best uses of those those tools and capabilities that you have um, and how 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 that affects your capacity, too, because um, having all these tools does affect our capacity in being able to complete jobs uh, more quickly, more efficiently for them. And, you know, then you start to talk about data mining or data fusion. Mm. And these are different aspects that the client doesn't even think about um, that you can repurpose data for different projects as long as you go in planning these projects right. right. Um, uh, you know, you can use all sorts of different technologies to give them complete data sets. 
you know, so we might fly something with a, with a manned aircraft. We might use a drone on a little bit of it. Yep. We might have terrestrial LIDAR uh, on it. And we might do mobile LIDAR if that's what the job, you know, calls for. And so uh, again, I think it's just, it's a, it's a great way to have greater flexibility and, and, and give your clients uh, more options on, on how you can do the project for them. Yeah. The more data we collect, the less lifespan there is on the, on the data. Um, like we've started looking in and doing scans and putting them out in a public workspace and, and saying, look, if you want this parcel of 500 acres is the latest LIDAR that was done in the last four months and it's stamped and, you know, pay a fee for your usage, um, saving them the expense and time of going out and making that data scalable and reusable because, Let's be honest, the, the surface of the earth really doesn't change if it's for in particular in Arizona or Texas. It's the same ranch that's been there for 100 years, right? There, there are some changes, but for the most part, for what people want in due diligence, it's more than adequate. Uh, I have a question for this group. Just, I'm just curious. <clears throat> Listening to you guys talk, and you mentioned a lot about uh, training the cli- training the clients or discre- you know going into detail. And I'm curious if you guys have thought about I mean, it sounds like every time a client calls and says, hey, I need this, you have to go start from the beginning of, okay, here's what LIDAR is and here's what, you know, and kind of go through the entire gamut of all of these different technologies just to get them to understand Mm -hmm. what they actually need. Have you thought about uh, other ways to train or maybe some more awareness or, I mean, maybe just kind of open it up to how do we get our clients and really the public to understand more about everything that we're talking about here without like you would, um, you get a call and then all of a sudden it's a 20 minute <laughs> dissertation on everything that you know, yeah. and you probably got all this memorized by now, but have you given any thought about that or how to, how to expedite that or make, make clients understand better? I will, I, let me say one thing before we let our guests jump in here on this. Anytime that happens and I, like when I get an opportunity to educate a client about something, I look at that as a golden opportunity. Yeah, for relationships. So? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, mean, every I love different. that part of it. I love that part of it. First of all, they got to be willing to listen yeah. mm-hmm. because so many times, especially like when drones first came on, you know, on the scene and, you know, immediately clients like, oh my God, I, 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 I need this map and I need it mapped with the drone. They don't know any better. They're just like, they hear about it. Like this is the latest and greatest, mm-hmm. you know, but that is an opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to, to educate and that goes so far oh my gosh it does absolutely what well, do yeah. you think you guys yeah. are all saying the same thing yeah i think yeah, so yeah but it, let me give you a, a, a reference point for example in my previous career as a mortgage banker i went through the short sale crisis right so i had to talk about your tax uh, tax exemption your what is a short sale and i created a video and as best as i could do it was 15 minutes long it actually had a hell of a lot more questions because like, well, that doesn't really pertain to me, but it did. Mm. So, and I, to Kent's point, I lost that relationship and I, I don't, you're, what you're asking for is scalability. I totally agree with it. There has to be better education, but every client's case seems to be different or they feel that it's different. So we have to listen more and through the listening, you build that relationship and that trust as the opinion of an expert. Yeah. Well, I'm just curious, especially with what with what Cody and Bill might have yeah. to say. But is it what side is the more who's who, who's more stubborn? The client that calls and says, "Oh, well, yeah, I got to have a drone no matter what because I heard drones are cool," or you know, the the guy they call from the the first thing that they find on Google that says, "Oh, well, I got this new fancy 
this equipment and that's going to be the best thing for you no matter what because it can deliver as mark will sometimes say oh i delivered two billion points on this and this and this because of all fancy and great it is and because i spent so much money on the equipment you got to have it yeah exactly and who's more stubborn well so, so i've done business development for a long time too alongside with photogrammetry um and so if you if i get time in front of somebody and i can talk i'm all in Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, like Mark said, I want to build the relationship. Uh, most of the clients that I work with are not a new, well, I have new clients, but most of them aren't new clients. They're repeat clients. Um, I, these guys are hungry for information too. And, and a lot of times they may know a little bit about it, but they don't know enough. And so I, th- I find that they appreciate us, you know, educating them a little bit. Uh, and then they come back to me again the next time. So it's all about being a, a real consultant to your clients. Boom. Um, yeah, there you go. You know, 100%. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, so anytime, yeah, I mean, I just want to have time in front of them. That's one of the things that I, we're trying to do at half this year is we've, we've taken a look at a lot of the contracts that we have uh, over the past couple of years and the work that we get from them. And there's some of these contracts that we get and we don't get any work out of them. And the only thing that I can glean from that is, is that we have zero relationships with anybody that's procuring the work with those agencies. Right. And so until we get that, we might win the contract because of the name of the company, but we're not going to win any work because we don't know anybody and they don't know what we're capable of. And so that kind of goes hand in hand with it. I, I, as much time as I can get in front of a client to talk, Absolutely. I, I'll, I'll say the same things over and over again if I need to. Mm. That's okay. Yep. And um, no, I, go ahead, no, Cody. I was just going to add that it's it's a lot easier on with the public uh, agencies because typically they they love these lunch and learns and different things like that. You can get through and and do that. The public, it, private, it, it's a lot harder uh, because it is that one to one. But it is like Bill and Trent, you said, just taking the time and going through it. Yep, absolutely. And something you said earlier, Cody, I want to circle back on. Um, you mentioned the black box, you know, the oh, yeah. uh, infamous black box. Hey, it says it's right. It's got to be right, you know. Um, and I, I, it brings me back to a presentation that uh, a local geodesist, uh, Michael Dennis, do you remember him, Bill? Does that name ring a bell? The name sounds, it does sound familiar. But yeah, he's, I mean, he's a geodesist. The guy's absolutely brilliant. Uh, you know, he, he's from Arizona originally, and he used to do this presentation called uh, The Ghost in the Machine which was absolutely genius. It didn't, it wasn't, he didn't write it about, you know, drone UAV technology. He wrote about GPS, the ghost in the machine. Right. And it's like, Hey, the GPS says this, it's gotta be right. You know, my right. accurate, my, you know, PDOP is this, this is this, it's gotta be right. You know? Um, but that is so dangerous in so many different ways. And I think a lot of times that the folks that are like selling this equipment mm-hmm. and this software it's like you have to be really, really careful. I'm not trying to call them out by any means, but no, you know sure the the black box, the ghost in the machine. You know these the people selling this equipment for hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars, make all these promises about it being survey grade accurate, and we, we got repeatability by the millimeter millimeters, blah blah blah. It's like oh my gosh. I mean you have to be really, really educated, or at least staying on top of current technology to see through some of that stuff. It, it, you can't keep up. You can't keep up. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Cody? Yeah, no. And we've been dealing with that on the surveying side. Absolutely. Forever. I mean, they've yeah. always sold it way more. And yep. uh, unfortunately, it's going to, it's trial and error. And until it gets out that it's not, you know, that perfect machine that does everything. Yep. Um, you know, it's just us telling the public, oh, no. And they think 
well, you're just saying that because you want to sell us your work. Yeah. Do you guys see that yeah. getting any better or worse as time goes on and technology, quote unquote, improves? I think that people are getting smarter as time goes on. Um, so I hope it's going to get better. But at the same time, technology is advancing at such a rapid pace right now. And all the sales guys, all they have to say is, yep. no, buy this new one. Yep. Don't even have to worry about a thing. Push yep. the button. You're dead on. Don't even think about it. Yep. You don't have to calibrate. You don't have to localize. Yeah, no. You don't need targets. No. I mean. No, it drives me freaking nuts. It's, yeah. it's a slippery slope. Yeah. But I mm. think those, I think a lot of those firms will naturally work themselves out of it. I, I agree. I, I'm looking at all this from a, a, a large perspective if I can. And I'm talking about the UAS involvement. So, you know, going back a few years working at a small photogrammetric company that was kind of getting involved with UAS. Um, I kind of saw the writing on the wall. Was it where it needed to be? No, mm. but can it do a lot of things that I couldn't do with large scale mapping? Yep. Yes. And that's and kind of one of the reasons I got to have because they, they, they were my first client when I, when I had gotten to Texas um, and they brought a project to me and they had somebody that was using UAS uh, at half at that time. And I gave them a cost for a project. I won't go into the details of it because it's kind of a long story. Sure. But essentially what they did is they they beat me on price and they beat me on schedule with UAS. Yep. And it was for a large scale mapping project, but it broke down into little pieces that they could do that were much more manageable with UAS. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they could get better data because the UA because of the UAS, where where UAS flies, you know, it's got a smaller footprint, it, it gets you better data because it's lower to the ground, right? And these were little, little, little areas that we were looking at pad sites. And so once I kind of got that in my head that it's, it's not going anywhere, it's going to be coming. That's what I thought. Okay. The idea of integrating them into surveying and photogrammetry is going to be a much easier proposition mm. than fighting, fending them off and trying to keep them away because they're going to be there anyway. Mm -hmm. And so we, we, as in the Gulf South region, we reach out to, to some of the drone folks. We have a lot of surveyors like Cody on the board. So one of the things that I wanted to do when we started the Gulf South was to integrate surveying and, and photogrammetrists together. Um, and, and, you know, ASPRS is involved in GIS and has a certification for GIS and photogrammetry and surveying have been kind of apart from GIS from a long time. It's not the case anymore. I work with the GIS guys every yeah. day on a project that may involve <laughs> indoor mapping or photogrammetry, what what have you. And so I'm trying to to get us at the Gold South to bring in more GIS folks. And so for our conference that we're having this year, uh, one of the plans that Cody and I came up with was to have uh, the technical sessions based off of the categories that ASPRS had certifications in as best as we could. Yeah. And one of those would be GIS. I haven't got that GIS person that wants to to do that session for me yet next June, but we're going to keep looking. Talk to Nick. Um, if we don't, you know, yeah, if we don't get up, well, I should actually reach out to Nick because he is in Texas now. I keep forgetting that. Yep. Um, but I, I think it's important to to not put yourself in a silo in the survey and photogrammetry world, but to open yourself up and try to to work with those folks that maybe traditionally you haven't so much and educate them and have that be part of the process instead. Yeah, really well said, Bill. Um, Cody, I do have a question for you. Um, I do, There's just a couple more things I want to make sure we touch on for sure, but LIDAR. Okay, LIDAR has been like that word. You know how they say like the, oh, yeah. the word for 2022 or the word for 2021, right. whatever. 
for me, when I go to these conferences and stuff like that, all I hear about is LiDAR. Um, it's the greatest, you know, boom, end all, be all. If you're not using LiDAR, you know, don't waste your time. Uh, Cody, tell me about LiDAR. It's just another tool, and it has its place. Uh, there are certain areas that photogrammetry is better than LiDAR. Correct. Um, same thing with, with, with scanning. I, I do use the terrestrial scanning or LiDAR more and more mm -hmm. uh, for what I used to use traditional surveying for, just for the simple fact that it catches so much, and I don't have to worry about my crew missing something. Yeah. Um, but they also, one of the big things I get with clients is they think, okay, you've cut your field time in half. Oh, yeah, I was going yes. to that. But now our office time is three times as much. Mm -hmm. They don't there understand that. And you have to educate that part of it. Thank you. Because just because you're doing it faster in the field, does it, does it make it cheaper? And in a lot of ways, it still makes it more expensive because the equipment you're using, the time you're doing, and the expertise to mm -hmm. teach the people how to, do, to use that properly. And then make the checks. Even if you're doing terrestrial scanning, you're supposed to do the same checks that we do in photogrammetry or aerial mapping, any of that, um, to prove it. So you still have to. The traditional surveying is not going away. Nope. There is a place for it and everything. And last I checked, you can't do a boundary with the scanner. Uh, there's right. just yeah. no way unless the rod's sticking out of the ground. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I have to thank you for that because I, I've kind of coined this phrase in the last few months of with clients. Don't judge me by the time it takes me to acquire the data, but judge me on the quality data I deliver. We were on a job where we saved the client $100,000. We were there for two hours and they wanted to pay us 300 bucks. Yeah. You know, that's no, I'll yeah. take a percentage yeah. of yeah. what we saved you. Why'd right. you tell them how long you were on site? They were there watching it. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's yeah. a big mistake. A yeah, big mistake, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah and we, as an industry, too, we have a challenge. We, you know, we're traditionally based as T&M, right? So they look at that and go, well, we're hiring you because it's faster. No, my output might be faster, but and it doesn't matter what it takes me in the field, but you're you're getting it faster. So why aren't you – why are you trying to nickel and dime me down lower than the mo extra mobilization fee you were paying the other guys to get out there in a week when we're delivering it to you in a week? You should be paying us more, right? And would you agree with that, Cody and Bill? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you uh, you're paying easy. for expertise. It's, uh, you know, when, when you hire an engineer to do a project, do you hire them to get it done or done right? It's the same thing. We're a consultant. We're a yeah. professional. Um, and that, and especially that's why as a surveyor, we're licensed. We got to go through the same process. And and that's why I'm so concerned with that race to the bottom on costs. Yes. Um, yes. You know, I mean, there, there's some there's some projects that I won't even take a look at anymore. It's yep. not worth my time to price it out when I know somebody's going to come in and, and do it for, I'm not even going to get into how low they can do stuff. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's the, it's the race to the bottom and that mentality you have to, you know, get over. And the only way you can do that, Mark is, you know, yeah, you can fly a project a lot faster, but they're getting a more complete data set. Yes. They're getting much more data than they normally would have gotten. And so it's that time that you put into getting that part of it, right that they get the, the data correct and right and more of that data yeah, um, yeah. that they that you need to help them understand. Some people Thank will, you. some people won't. Thank you. And Cody, can I lease your alphabets so I can put it on LinkedIn? Can I pay like 500 bucks a month for your letters? 
Sure. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Okay, cool. <laughs> if I have your letters, I, I'm, I can retire tomorrow. You're golden. Yeah, how about so you just golden. pay me? Yeah. I'll let you use the letters. I don't care. I don't give a shit about water. Uh, no, that's right. no, that's he. He likes he likes dirt. D- he likes dirt. dirty yeah, water. I'm a, I'm a dirt guy. So He's a dirt guy. I love you, yeah. buddy. Yeah. Um, so l- let's circle back to uh, ASPRS. So the certified photogrammetrist certification that is uh, managed or executed, I guess, by ASPRS. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and then what about the certified mapping scientist? Is that another ASPRS certification? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, it is. They, yep. they both are, and the technologist as well. And the te- okay, so what is the yeah. technologist? What He's is that the guy one? In the certified field. technologist? Certified? What is that one? What is that? So he could be a, a certified uh, mapping technologist. So C- UAS, C-P-T? or certified mapping technologist in lidar. Okay. Okay. So it's a certified mapping technologist or yep. a certified photogrammetric technologist. Uh, Big Shoots was a CPT before he was a CP. Oh, gotcha. Okay, so it's a stepping stone, right? Okay, it, it is. But you can, I mean, it, the difference is is the kind of the professional aspect of it. Yeah. So the technologist is going to be somebody that's going to be kind of just doing that day to day redundancy work over and over again. Gotcha. Um, whereas the 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 photogrammetrist or the mapping scientist is going to be somebody that's overseeing the projects, can take the project from you know planning yep. to deliverable. Um, and manage all and the taking the liability. Yeah, taking the liability. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. So from an ASPRS perspective, um, what does it take to be able to sit for those different certifications? What are the requirements? You you want me to go, Bill, or you want to get? Why don't you go first, and then I'll, I'll chime in, I guess. <laughs> all right, the short and sweet, they put as technologists is three years experience, a mapping scientist or photogrammetrist is six years experience. Now how that comes different ways, whether it you've got your master's your doctorate and then so much experience out in the field. Um, there's different variations for it, but that's kind of the, the short and sweet of the difference to sit for it. You apply, then you go through a peer review, making sure you've, you've uh, gotten that experience for their, uh, little spectrum they give you and then you take a test and um this is i think it's still at a two-hour exam bill is that correct or yeah i think they limited it two hours um it's it's now uh not proctored it's not a proctored exam on site it's now a um an, an online exam mm-hmm. that you take a computer exam uh, you can take it uh at your house or like where i'm at here you could elect to take it here I would not advise anybody to do that. I would go to one of the testing centers because they'll have uh, uh, testing centers in most of the major cities. Because uh, if you're doing it at home, they they observe you and they bother you is what I've heard because they're, you know, hey, your window's open or you, you can't get up and move. You know, they're they're telling you stuff when you should be concentrating on a test mm-hmm. where you don't have that issue at the testing center. So, yeah, it's it's, it's just simply you, you, you submit an application once you think that you have the experience and the years in industry. Um, it, the, we'll look at the application as part of the peer review process. Once you pass the peer review pr- process, then you're, you're able to sit for the exam. Once you pass your exam, you get your, your CP, your CMS, your CPD, whatever you're sat when, for. When I applied, there wasn't like an online uh, tutorial or classes to take. They sent me a list of like 30 books. Is yeah. that still the case? It, it, yeah. it is. 
uh, I, it's kind of funny because I was in the meeting today with them going over this. Right. Uh, every Wednesday we have our big um, national meeting and specifically going over that. Nobody has provided enough training and not training enough classes to show, you know, right. you take your, your exam in most states, you could pull up, okay, this is what I need to study to, yes. to get those. Uh, they don't, they're trying to develop it more. Good. Um, they have a hard position of trying to teach the exam. They feel like if you're, if you're able to go for it and, and feel you have the experience, then you know, you should have the expertise instead of taking people, okay, these are the exact things to study and, and you can you can get it. Yeah, but my point was when I looked at it is, okay, I'll go buy the books, but what of the content might I be missing if there was a, a training syllabus as it were, even if I didn't take the exam, I would have been a better professional from having absorbed some or only the relative information that I needed for, you know, what I want to do. It's a lot easier for me to, you know, hire professionals with your pedigree and trust them and know enough about what I've done because I've been doing it since 2014 to know if you're giving me a bunch of crap. Um, but, I, I, you know, if it means anything, I would appreciate having a syllabus and being able to dive in and um, rather now, than making sure there, I'm in the right chapter. I'm sorry. It, there is a breakdown that mm -hmm. they give you of, they do. of how much percentage of, mm -hmm. uh, like if you're going for your CP. So there's, I don't know the percentage right off the top of my head, but I believe it's like 20 or 30% is directly CP related or mm -hmm. photogrammetric related. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of the others, they break it down by general geography, uh, different areas. Um, and those types of questions are very similar to um, like in surveying, taking your your PS or your your FS exam, the initial parts, and then having your very specific, like you're going for your state, very specific part on that for each license. So it, certification. Is it safe it's to a, say it's a bit of a work in progress? It's a yes. can It's safe to say that it's a challenge for ASPRS, and I'll and I'll speak yeah. directly to this because uh, I've dealt a lot with it. So. ASPRS um, is the, the entity that's giving the examination. Uh, we're accredited through CESB um, and they're, they're talking about the CESB accreditation, whether or not they need it right now. I think that they still need to have something like that. But the, the feeling has been much like surveying, photogrammetry has been something that's been um, taught through experience, um, mm. not through a, a course. There are you know, photogrammetric courses at some universities uh, not very many, probably not as many as there are surveying uh, programs. Um, and that's one of the problems. But ASPRS has the kind of dueling philosophies, depending on who you're talking to there at National. One of them is on the certification side is that we're giving the exam so that we have to keep ourselves completely clean of any kind of uh, uh, of, of people looking at us and saying that we're trying to help people with the exam. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. But interesting. There are other there are other agencies that that you know administer exams, but also prepare you for the exams. TSPS is one of them in Texas, Texas Society of Professional Surveyors, and I think that ASPRS needs to do that as well. Now, Mark, to answer your question specifically, there are resources other than just the listing of books that we have that have been put together by other ASPRS professionals but not necessarily sponsored content by ASPRS. Understood. Um, 
So there is a, a certification webinar. I think it's four to six hours. I forget the time link um, on just general certification. And then there's one on certification for LIDAR as well. And there's a PowerPoint that comes mm. along with it. Uh, and, and there's some resources with that PowerPoint that I would suggest that anybody that's going to uh, look into certification goes through those webinars at least. And then there's books that, you know, that Cody and I could recommend and other resources, but it, it is a challenge. And I think that's one of the things that I'd like to do at the Gulf South region is develop some resources for helping with uh, the certification exams that we have, the, the multiple exams that we have. Um, and so that will be a process that we're working on. Um, Would you mind sharing those links with with us so we can share it with our listeners? Because I think it's invaluable to raising the uh, level of the industry and bringing it up. Uh, yeah. I, do, I don't think ASPRS needs to lower itself to the common denominator, but I think those that are... Right serious about the industry like myself I, I would welcome any additional uh, education to just just to be a better you know uh, participant in, within the space <clears throat> hey bill real quick so you mentioned the things that yeah. you know you the goals and objectives for uh the gulf south region um and i i, I don't know anything about the leadership of you know as prs or you know what their goals or objectives are to, to be honest with you but do they allow you that I don't know, creative freedom for lack of better terms to, to do exactly what you're wanting to do with, with that, uh, with that region. Yes, by and large. I mean, there's some things that they want us to, to do that we need to do. We have, you know, certain members are state representatives. Um, um, we like to have them be on the HQ calls that uh, Cody referred to. There's a weekly call that ASPRS has and they deal with different issues each week on that call. Um, we also have, I, I believe it's the president and vice president for the region mm -hmm. that are our representatives that should be on that call listening to so that they can kick down the information that we're hearing from national yeah. to us. But but yeah, but so like for the student chapter, there's they have a, a student chapter program um, for higher education. I threw out to them that I want to start one for a K-12 um, ISD in, in Texas, and I've got one that's interested in there. And essentially their answer was, okay, uh, figure it out the program and then come back to us and we'll talk with you about it and it should be okay i'm going to look at the program that they have for higher education and model it off of that to the extent that i can and and go from there and hopefully um, the gulf south will figure out some new and better ways to make revenue as, as we go through things here um, and we'll have some more money that we can throw at at student type activities um, and helping get more resources into students both cody and i are extensively working with with ISDs in Texas. He's he's in the Houston area. I'm up in North Texas in the Dallas area. Um, I'm a part of the North Central Texas uh, uh, UAS Safety and Integration Task Force. I'm part of the North Central Texas Air Robotics Initiative, which is 11 ISDs that are invested into drone programs, and they work with industry partners to uh, um, help them get money from uh, TEA for these programs. And we've gotten you know, uh, grant funding to the tune of almost a million dollars sometimes for these 11 ISDs to, uh, to work on these uh, drone programs. And I've tried to instill in them to incorporate into them uh, workforce development ideas to their STEM and P-TECH coordinators, because um, I always want to hear about surveying as a career and geospatial as a career. And UAS is that shiny object that the students love and it, it, it brings them in. Yep. It, and I just let them know that that could be a career for them, like Mark Taylor has. You know, you can get your own company or there's other applications that you can go into after that uh, in geospatial either as a technologist, um, you know, as a technician working on projects 
uh, becoming a photogrammetrist, becoming a surveyor, engineer, architect, etc. Um, and and so it's Bill Swope, it's a good everybody. Thing to involve yeah, Bill nice, Swope. nicely done. Yes, very impressive. Bill Swope. There's only one. There's only one. <laughs> hey, if there's anybody that pushes the envelope and uh, is yeah. constantly trying to like bring things to the next level, it's Bill. I've known Bill for a really long time, and he's been very instrumental in uh, you know on. For the Arizona surveyors when he was here in Arizona, and now obviously he's making his mark in uh, in Texas as well. So, uh, way to go, Bill! Question. Way to go! Can I have one well, last question? Ken, I got a couple I more questions. Kick it back to, I just want to say one thing, Ken, about that. Yeah, you were a model for me for what I am doing, working with associations and societies. Uh, and so, yeah, look at that! Nice. Ken, Ken did a lot of great things in Arizona, and uh, um, he caught my attention. He I said, learned. "Did it's like I'm a has been." Did you hear that? <laughs> he did. He's not doing yeah. shit anymore. Uh, but he, he started, he started messing around with a podcast. That's really gobbling <laughs> up all your free time. So, yeah. Hey, Cody, I, I do have a couple. I, two things I want to make sure we talk about real quick. Um, and I haven't heard Cody's voice in a while, so I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring him in on this one. Um, so the the future of photogrammetry. Uh, there's so much talk right now about, you know, um, artificial reality, virtual reality, mixed reality. And your favorite topic. The metaverse. There it is. Metaverse. Is, there, is there a place for photogrammetry within all this crazy evolving uh, technology? Yeah, so I, I'm going to go back to what Bill said before. Don't push it away. Embrace it. Help it with our industry. Help yeah. integrate it. And that's what it has to be. Because... It's going to be here. It's it's coming. It's already here. And the more you help develop it and give guidance, the better it will be. The better it will serve us in our industry, the better it will serve the public. And that's ultimately what we want to do. We want to make our jobs easier, and we want to make the future, the, the students, their jobs easier in the future. And that's it's an integration. That's nice. the only way to handle it and the only way to look at it. Yeah, very well said. And it's like when you look at the geospatial umbrella and what it covers, you know, it's surveyors, it's photogrammetrists, it's GIS professionals. It's crazy when you think about it. And there's a way for us all to collectively come together and just really blow the whole geospatial thing up because this we're in a geospatial moment, Sean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you heard that before? Uh, for the record, I had a conversation with Kent earlier today that we have mentioned. I told you I was going to get him in tonight. Every episode for the last 40 that, yes, the quote, we are in a geospatial moment. I think we have all accepted. But if it's a moment, that moment has lasted for at least a year now, so it's no longer a moment. We're just in a geospatial moment. Realm of existence. Yes. Strap in. It's going to be a while. Yes. <laughs> what else? You guys got anything else? Yeah, I wanted to ask uh, uh, to Bill and Cody, but we'll go with Cody first. Cody, what is your favorite UAS? You know, I I like the Wingtra. Oh, I, like I love you. <laughs> Just because it's the, the vertical takeoff, and then it still covers everything as a fixed wing. Never gets boring. Yeah, we yeah, we've actually launched three at the same time and videoed it. It was uh, pretty epic. So what's on that note? I mean, I definitely want to make sure that Bill answers this. But mm -hmm. so the Wingtra has been around for how long? Uh, five years. Now. Five years. Mm -hmm. So there's there hasn't been anything over the course of the last five years better than the Wingtra come out. There's a lot that, in my opinion, there's a lot that have tried and they've done some things better, but yeah. the, the overall reliability. The overall consistent accuracy. I mean, come on, it's the Swiss, and they're worse than dealing with the bloody Germans. Mm. Um, 
they they and I got to I got the privilege of hanging out for two days with Basil, the guy who invented it. Uh-huh. Actually, came out as a joke. Yeah. In a theoretical aeronauticals class, and that's the design he came up with. But um, yeah, I mean, we go on site and we we fire them off. One of our birds we retired after two hundred and thirty thousand acres on it because I just didn't want to fly it just in case. Wow. Yeah, it's it's wow. a beast. How about you, Bill? Uh, I like the M six hundred. Oh yeah. I know it's it's going to be going away, but we have a couple of them, and it's kind of our workhorse. You know, there's a new um, one coming, right? Yeah, we're what we're looking at we're go we're maybe going the the gas or, or hydrogen. Yeah, a Harris system or something. We're, 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 yeah, there you go. We're looking at yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, um, can't get just, a forest know, more, service more job. By the way, you can't get a forest service job with that. What's yeah, that? The, well, the blue list is, is now. You know, no, it's, it's not the blue list. It's looking to it's it's not blue listed. No, it's or, not a question of that. It's the uh, potential fire hazard with uh, battery and gas. They don't like it. Yeah. And they're a big, big uh, consumer of, of drone systems, as you probably know. Um, but, yeah, the Harris I wonder cool. about the, the noise. That's the one thing that I'm concerned yeah, about. Yeah, there's, um, there is the DB rating. You're absolutely right for, you know, the small spotted newt owl or whatever. There's three of them left in the world. Wait, and, you mean there's not a UAV that can spot that owl yet? Uh, so uh, a famous a famous question that got into a very contentious argument was, Mark, we have a thousand acres and we want you to track deer because we have a deer migration problem and we want you to use infrared. Um, my response was, so you know in the military the first thing the soldiers do to, to, to evade uh, discovery is they find a deer, they kill it, and they wear its skin. Mm. You can't find an animal with infrared like that. Interesting. So, you have yeah. better luck with a methane sensor because you can actually pick up their breath, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Yep. So once they're bedded down, <laughs> you can't find them in the infrared. Crazy, crazy. Mm-hmm. See, Bill, I, before we let you get out of here, I, I would like to hear kind of what your, what your thought. I mean, you've been in this business for a long time. I mean, where do you see where do you see this going over the next five years? Um, well, I think you guys hit the nail on the head. It's with automation. It's with AI. I mean, we're already, you know, messing with it um, at half quite a bit. Um, I was just on the phone with our, our, our guy in GIS who's actually running our AI and machine learning. Um, you know, that's going to be the next thing, I think, uh, automating automating the data as much as we can possibly automate it. Um, yeah, I, I think that's where I think it's where it's going. Hopefully it won't lead to, the, what is it, the singularity or whatever. So. <laughs> hey, well, Skynet's already hit, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, crazy, crazy. Um, what else? Mark, anything else before we scoot out? No, I, as I said, serious hashtag man crush. Hey, so. thanks for being here, man. You added a lot to the conversation. I really appreciate it. No, thank you. Uh, I do have to mention one comment from our uh, YouTube live stream that uh, they wanted to thank Half for hosting so many CST exams. Ah. And mm. I thought you would yes. like that. Yes, that's amazing. I'm yes. a huge proponent yeah. of the uh, CST exam. Huge. In fact, we have one at the uh, Alta office, what, 1st of April? Whatever that weekend is. We have one scheduled. Yep. Yep. Big proponent. Bill, congratulations. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. 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 We're, I'm lucky. Again, the, the survey practice leader, Vas Caliero, at uh, half is yep. really progressive. He's been doing these survey instructional courses for not only CST, but SIT and, and your license yeah. uh, for a long time. And, and uh, he's just dedicated to it. He's, he's, great. he's one of these guys that just loves to, loves to teach people about surveying. Yep. And, absolute rock star. That kind of stuff is infectious. And it, he's, you know, you have been infectious on me. You know, you've, you've uh, given me your vaccine or your virus or whatever you have. 
um, which is your Cooties. ability to yeah, well, your, just your ability to be positive about things and see where the light's coming from and move towards that light. I appreciate I mean, that. That's, that's the way I like to look at things. Uh, there is one thing I like to ask you guys um, uh, as we uh, let you know let you guys go and any parting words you have. But we talk about mentors a lot on the show, so uh, you know as you uh, say, uh, Cody and Bill, any parting words before we get out of here? Uh, if there is a mentor you'd like to mention or talk about who really helped you get to where you are, um, do you have anybody you'd like to to throw out there? Uh, Bill, I'll let you go first. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be, uh, I'm gonna throw this right at Kent actually. Um, as far as photogrammetry, it wasn't Kent that, that did that for me, but again, a lot of the things that I've taken from what I saw and what he was doing in Arizona with the surveying community and the ideas that he had, um, I kept. And as I moved on in my career, I thought that some of those ideas were pretty good ideas that were useful and could be incorporated now. So as, as much as anybody, I mean, as far as photogrammetry, I'd say Lyle Slater at Aerotech Mapping, but um, as far as my career in geospatial and professional services, I'd say Kent Grow has had a lot to do with uh, my ambitions. Wow. Wow. We're screwed when we I know. Right. <laughs> oh, my God. Remember, gotta... remember how I told you the other day that I just act dumb on purpose? Yeah. 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 Hey, now the truth comes out. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh uh, let's, Thanks, talk to, let's talk to somebody with some, some common more, sense. Some more common sense. <laughs> yeah. Cody, 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 what do you got over here? <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I have to initially go. Who got me in the. He's going to say Kent. He's going to say Kent. Oh, my, my, my father pushing it on me as a kid. And then, uh, cool. really my, my two professors from, uh, college, Dr. Jeffress and Dr. Mensa expanded my knowledge of getting the photogrammetry, the remote sensing, not just, uh, not just the, the surveying the boundaries and the topos and, and all the surveys. Cool. So Cody, what's, uh, what's one of your finest memories as when it comes to surveying? Well, Bill first. I got to think about that one. Well, we, we, you know, being what, so what generation surveyor are you? Second generation. Second generation surveyor. Okay. So you yeah. survey, you started surveying with your, with your father then? Yes. Probably right. the time he didn't have to drag a chain and level across the it, desert. But see, when I worked yeah. with my father, <laughs> yeah. I, that was the one thing through high school and everything. I knew absolutely I did not want to be a surveyor. Yeah. I only realized I, I, I wanted to be surveying yeah. when I got out and, and realized that, you know, hey, I could actually make money and, and do something and be outside and do yeah. different things. For sure. uh, when I was doing it as a kid, it, it was the last thing I ever wanted to do in life. Right. Isn't that interesting? So many stories out there. I love it. I love it. <laughs> How about you, Sean? Anything else? That's all I got. That's all you got? A lot of good stuff here, guys. Really good stuff. Really good stuff. Bill, Cody, anything else you want to throw out there before we get out of here? Uh, I just want to thank you all for having me. Uh, hopefully, I didn't mess it up too much. Oh, you I, did uh, great, buddy. You did appreciate great. it. You look fantastic, mate. Yep, yep. How about you, Bill? Yeah, no, thanks for having us on, and thanks for doing this. Um, again, it's, you know, we talked about this a long time ago. Okay, this is something that was needed. Um, it's, it's taken off like a uh, wildfire. Um, you know, you guys are what 160 episodes or short one of that I guess, yeah. right now. That's, that's pretty amazing. But it, I love the fact that you're getting geospatial information about surveying and, and photogrammetry and LIDAR and all that kind of stuff out there to folks. Um, 
and, and uh, good job. Thanks for doing this. I, I do have one short, quick plug. We do have uh, our region, our business meeting and convention coming up in June. Uh, we'll be sending out a notice on that at, towards the end of the month. It'll be posted on the web. Uh, I think it's the bills June 15th and 16th, correct? June 15th and 16th. You're right, Cody. And uh, Kent, we I, let's talk about you know, involving geoholics with it. We should do it, man. It was yeah. so, be so much fun. Absolutely. No question. Definitely. And, and if anybody's going to be at Geo Week uh, or ASBRS and, and ILMS and MAPS and everybody that's going to be in Denver in February, we will be doing a, a Gulf South Region uh, in-person meeting there. Oh, my gosh. We're gonna, the geoholics are going to be the there geoholics in person. geoholics will be nice. in Denver for Geo Week. So then exciting. Then we will definitely have to have some drinks. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That sounds good. All right. Trouble has begun early. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. From a lowly drone guy, Cody and Bill, thank you. You've given me a lot of inspiration, and, and th thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks for the humility. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> All right. Great show, guys. Uh, thanks again to Bill and Cody for being here, adding value and making friends. That's what we do. That is what we Great do. Great example. If anyone would like to be a guest on a future show, shoot us an email at info at Uh Based on our meeting before the show this evening, I believe we're almost booked through the first quarter, correct? Uh, yeah, we've got one slot in March. One and slot then, in March. And then trying to book in April. So please reach out. Reach out. Jason Bolin and the Stragglers. Pearl Snaps available everywhere. Until next time, everyone. Tame your monkey brain. <laughs> Most importantly, <laughs> be safe and healthy. Stars are all falling out of the sky. The doors are all locked and the bottle is dry. So pass me a chew.